0: Person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, and unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also, with, so also with the rich man, let me read that again, verse 11. For the sun rises with its scorching, scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pestles. Amen. We continue in our study through the book of James. And three Sundays ago when I was preaching, we began looking at verse 5. Rather, we considered verse 5 through to verse 8. And there we learned that true faith seeks God for wisdom in times of trials. True faith seeks God's for wisdom in times of trials. And really what we've been saying and continue to say is that the book of James shows us that true faith shows itself in practical godly living. It shows itself in practical godly living. And we, we saw the last time that even when it comes to trials... True faith will show itself. And we saw that true faith asks or seeks God for wisdom in times of trials. And we learned that trials make believers have a lot of questions. In di- sometimes directly or indirectly, those questions even relate to our questioning of God's sovereignty. That we ask that if I'm going through what I'm going through, is God really aware of what I'm going through? Is God really sovereign? If he is, why has he allowed me to go through such? And This is why we say that we need wisdom when going through trials wisdom not to simply understand why we're going through trials because often the Lord doesn't tell us why but wisdom to trust God that even in the midst of those trials he has, he has our good he has our best interest though it's paining it's hurting it is for our good And hence, wisdom makes us to look from outside to outward and look to God and trust him that it is for our good and pray for grace to endure those trials. This afternoon, we'll be looking at verse 9 through to verse 10. And again, James is still dealing with trials. And again, here we're seeing that true faith embraces God's eternal outlook in both poverty and riches. True faith embraces God's eternal outlook, eternal perspective in both poverty and riches. And we see here that our faith in God must cause us to trust God, look to God, whether we are in need or we are in abundance, whether in poverty or in riches, because ultimately, God's eternal perspective, God's eternal outlook, God's eternal view is what matters. So as we journey through life, our eye must be set on eternal realities and not on the things below and so james is saying that when in trials embrace god's eternal perspective on things and now in this portion of our scriptures now is dealing with the rich and the poor And he's basically saying to the rich and to the poor that what matters is not your present status in this world or in this life, but your status before God. And it is in that status that you must glory in and rejoice in that reality. And so let's quickly open up those verses and draw some lessons this afternoon. The first thing we we see there is that Christianity brings to the poor man a new sense of his own value. Christianity brings to the poor man, to the poor woman, to the poor believer, a new sense of his own value. Verse 9, Let the lowly brother Boast in his exhortation. Let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation. James continues dealing with the subject of trials. And it's evident when you read verse 12 when he said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials. And that even as it begins to deal with the rich and the poor, or the poor brother and the, the rich brother, it is still in the context of trials. And when you read uh, diff- uh, commentaries, theologians, some argue that James begins a new subject here. He's no longer dealing with with, with trials. But as I've said, when you get to verse 12, you still see that even though he's not mentioning trials, he's still flowing with, he's still continuing with the the thought that he began in verse 9, verse 5, rather, dealing with trials. And so verse 9 and verse 11, it's still under trials, but this time he's trying to show that the poor and the rich must have an eternal perspective, must see things from God's perspective and not from their present status in this life. And so James is indicating that trials, when they come, they, they erase any superficial distinctions that may be brought between the rich and the poor. When trials come, all these artificial barriers that we create as human beings to distinguish those who are poor and those who are rich are erased by trials. And therefore, when both the rich and the poor are going through trials... The only way to persevere through those trials is basically having God's view on these trials. And so James begins with, let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation. From the onset, he, he wants the, his audience and all of us to know that that lowly brother, that humble brother's other version would say, is still he is a believer and that's why he said let the lowly brother james is showing that he is referring to christians he is referring to believers and then he goes on to to describe the circumstance of this this brother this believer by using the 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 the, the, the greek word taipinos, which has the basic meaning of lowly and which has been translated humble or poor in other, in other versions. But really the root meaning of this word typinos basically gives us the idea of insignificant, the idea of weak, the idea of, of poor or of humble circumstance, the idea of lacking confidence. The ideal of being meek and mild. And so James is really saying that that word in Greek that is used as humble or lowly can encompass all these things in our English language. In, uh, the, the word insignificant, the word weak, the word poor, the word humble or, the hum- or humble circumstance or lacking confidence ...or being meek and mild. And so as he writes about this lowly brother... ...in contrast to the man mentioned in verse 10... ...we can therefore conclude... ...that perhaps James is writing to... ...a brother who is financially poor. And because of his financial status... He is thus in a humble circumstance. A brother who is financially poor, financially lacking, and because of that, he is in a humble circumstance. And, and James, as he writes, is basically saying, this humble circumstance could be as a result of many reasons, could have been brought about as about many reasons. And when you consider the, the, the context of the book of James, from this one you see that he's writing to the saints that have been scattered because of persecution. And because they've been scattered because of persecution, there were some saints who were running away from persecution and as a result they ended up being poor economically. They would have left their goods, where they're coming from. And as they were running away, they, in the process where they went, they probably began to hire themselves out to whoever was hiring so that they have some income to survive in those foreign ra- lands. And so, Many of them, it is possible that where they were coming from, they had possessions, they had lands, they had homes, but they left most of that or all of that because of persecution. And so as James is writing, he's reminding them that don't allow your present circumstance to determine how you view your Christian faith. Don't even think of the possessions that you've left where you're coming from. Rather, look at things from God's perspective, and rejoice in your exalted uh, status. And so James says, "Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation," or other version will say, "Let him rejoice." in his exhortation. And really, James' point there is that the lowly brother or the humble brother has this high position in the kingdom of God. Not because they are poor, but because they belong to God by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should help them to rejoice even in their present circumstance. To know that I'm a child of God and one day I will be with my God. And in that they can even begin to rejoice while still on this earth. And the bottom line for James is this that poverty does not destroy the relations among Christians. Or at least poverty should not destroy relationship among Christians. We are all heirs to the Father. Joint heirs with the Son. And so as he writes, he, he wants those who are persecuted that even as you begin to to think of the the, the goods you've left because of persecution, the many things you've left, remember that when you are in Christ, you are in an exalted position, a child of God, a heir to the kingdom of God. And so we see here that it's only the Christian faith that brings to the poor man a new sense of his own value. That when he gathers with God's people and begin to realize that I belong to this family, Christ has saved us and we are all worshiping one God. We belong to one family. He begins to see his own sense of value. He learns that he matters in the church. He learns that he matters in the world. God has a purpose for him. And it's for him to be sought and light in this world. He learns that he matters to God. God left the realms of heaven and died for such a lowly brother. It is the teaching of the Christian faith, the teaching of Christianity, that every man in this world, born of God, born of the Spirit of God, saved by the work of Christ, has a task to do and is useful to God. And so James wants us to capture that. That these superficial barriers that we erect due to economic status, that should not be the case in the church of Christ. And he says, let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation. And therefore what this means, is that if the lowly brother is to boast in his exhortation, he must understand or at least appreciate what the Bible says about our salvation and what Christ has done to accomplish our salvation and how that that salvation which Christ accomplished for us is being preserved. And the Holy Spirit is daily reminding us that we belong to Christ and one day we'll be ushered into the eternal kingdom of God the Father. And such understanding begins to help those who are in humble circumstances to realize that my Christianity is not defined by my present circumstances but my salvation in God. And therefore, James is saying, let the lowly brother boast in his exhortation. But the second thing we see there is that Christianity brings to the rich believer or the rich man or the rich woman a new sense of self-humiliation. A new sense of self- humiliation. And again, we see this in verse 10. And let the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. So, James is saying again, the Christian faith brings to those who are economically well off a new sense of humiliation when they realize that my acceptance before God is not because of my economic status. It's because of Christ. And all that I possess will pass away. And that reality brings in a right attitude before God and before one another. And so what James is doing here is that James presents the other side of the principle that is begun in verse 9. He's saying just as the materially poor believer should boast in his spiritual riches, the materially rich believer should boast in his humiliation. Now the text in verse 10 doesn't clearly does, does not clearly state that the rich the rich one is a believer. And therefore there are a lot of arguments, particularly when you are reading commentaries, that they, they begin to argue whether he's James addressing a believer or here now is beginning to address non-Christians. And because he's addressing non-Christians. That's why in verse, uh, the last part of verse 9 and then verse 11, he says, like a, a, a flower of the grass, he will pass away. But when you, when you look at the, the context, looking at the passage, it will seem most natural for, for James to omit the word brother in verse 9, rather in verse 10 and assume that is carried the idea over from verse 9. He doesn't see why he should again repeat the rich brother in verse 9, when, rather in verse 10, when in verse 9 he's talking about a brother boasting in his exhortation and then he uses a connecting word, and the rich in his humiliation. Basically showing that it's really the same idea. And again, when you look at the context of the book, he's writing it to those who are dispersed, those who are scattered, Christians who are running away from persecution. And looking at the context of the book, we can safely assume that again in verse 10, this rich man, wherever it is, he must be one who is a believer. And James is also addressing a believer but who is well to do. And he's saying, let that rich brother rejoice in his low position. And again you see, James is dealing with trials. And probably this humiliation that James is talking concerning the rich, could be a description of the humbling experience of suffering persecution for the sake of Christ. That, yes, when you are a Christian, it doesn't matter your economic status, if persecution comes and it is for Christians, then rejoice in the fact. That you've been seen worthy to suffer for your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, really, it's the same treatment that James is talking about. The poor exhort in your high position, and then he gives the rich a new sense of humiliation, or a new sense of worth, bordering around this whole idea of humility. And so what James is really saying here, he's showing us that let the rich when they think of persecution or they are suffering persecution, let them realize that instead of hanging on to their riches, it's not those riches that define who you are. It's your status in Christ so that even when those riches are taken away from you, all rejoice because you are suffering for the sake of your Savior. And therefore, you are rejoicing in being brought low because of persecution for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are seeing there that when James says, and the rich in his humiliation, why? Because, like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. So, at the end of the day, John, James' interest is really that in the Christian church, there must be a true example of what it means for the rich and the poor to mingle together. There must be no classes. There must be no special seats. There must be no special treatment for those who are of a humble circumstance to those who are well off in terms of material blessings. And this is James' concern. And James' concern resonates or ties in with what the Lord Jesus Christ says in, in the Gospel of John. By this the world will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for the other. And, 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 and the Lord Jesus Christ was really saying that if you treat each other as belonging to one family, one faith, one God, and as you paint this wonderful picture to the world, where everyone is being treated as belonging to this one large family, the world will know that you are my disciples. Why? Because I am the one who taught you to love one another. I led my life for my disciples. And so here James carries this idea. And in James' mind, he knew that it was easy for people who are running away from persecution uh, to go into one place and as they get into that place they begin to separate one from the other. Let's use the case of what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. It is easy for those who are running away from Ukraine when they get to Poland or to whatever neighboring country they find refuge in instead of looking at each other as yes we are all from Ukraine running away from the Russian invasion, it's easy to forget that part and when you get to where there is peace and begin to try and gather yourselves because of a certain status or because of coming from the same neighborhood and therefore the moment that happens classes begin to form Well, yes, you are all from Ukraine, but there are those from this neighborhood, there are those from that neighborhood, and all forgetting that the reason why we're here is running away from persecution back home. James' concern here was that this should not be the case among God's people. There must be a relationship that is not based on social status, but on the finished work, of Christ, of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that when you come across one who professes Christ as Lord, he or she is your brother or your sister, and therefore, you have a duty to relate to them, and you have a duty to serve God with them. And James says to us that the Christian faith brings to the rich a new sense of self-humility. And therefore showing us that true faith embraces God's eternal perspective on both poverty and riches. And the lesson is this for all of us. Is that the great danger... the great danger of riches is that they tend to give a false sense of security. They begin to to make us feel safe, feel secure, and feel like we can cope, we have the resources to cope with any situation. Or we can buy ourselves in any situation. But when trials come, And all your possession is taken away from you. What will remain is your status before God. Like the old job, when everything is taken away, he was able to say, naked I came in this world, and naked will I go. The Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away. Blessed be his name. Now it's easy to say those words when all is well. It's easy to say, like, no, I must be like the old faithful job. Until all oh, your sense of security is taken away from you. Your possession, your job. Everything you have. Takes one who knows his true identity before God. To say with Job. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken. Blessed be his name. And this is what James is trying to help us understand. That our rejoicing is not in our current status but in our status before God and then he goes on to show us the uncertainty of life on earth he, he goes to show us in the third place James that the uncertainty of life on earth as he uses that picture language in verse verse 11 For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pests. His goal really there is to help us see the uncertainty of life on earth. He gives the reasons why both the rich and the poor must rejoice in their status before God, not their status before man, because life on earth is uncertain. And that's his point when he uses that picture. The sun rising and the the scorching the scorching heat causing everything to dry. Jessica is saying, your status today might not be your status tomorrow. It might not be permanent because life on earth is, is uncertain. And if a man's, if life is so uncertain and man is so vulnerable, Calamity and disaster can come at any time. And if that is the case of, of life on earth, a man who puts his trust in his wealth or in his possession is a fool. Because those things will fade, can be taken away, can be lost in a moment. He is only wise if he puts his trust in God. Because our salvation will never fade away. He cannot lose that salvation. And James gives us this vivid picture That was familiar to the the Jews of Palestine in the desert places. If if it rained, any showers of rains will immediately begin to to show. You see that thick green shoots begin to sprout. It's just a showers of rain, just a bit of rain, you begin to see this thick green grass sprouting. They begin to germinate. But with one burning, scorching heat, they all vanish as if they were not there. And as James uses this picture, he's basically saying this is how life is on earth. One moment, there will be this thick green grass sprouting the next moment there is this scorching heat that just dries everything and you begin to wonder what happened to those grass that was sprouting the plants in such climates will not last because once the heat begins it dries everything and you even forget there was something green that sprung. And this is the picture used uses to show us the uncertainty of life. That with an intense wind can b- blow up everything. And everything we ever had or everything we ever possesses fades away. And if your status was in those things, you begin to wonder whether life is even worth living. Because there's nothing you have to live for. All that you had and poured in your energies is gone. The least, as others would resort to, is take away their lives, because life ain't worth living. William Buckley writes, and I quote, a man who puts his trust in riches is trusting in things which the chances and changes of life can take from him at any moment. A man who puts his trust in riches is trusting in things which chances and changes of life can take from him at any moment. End of quote. Barclay's point there is, the loss of material things is meant to drive the, the rich person to the Lord because only what they have in Christ is their true status equally the poor man or the poor believer with their needs and wants must make them to run to Christ who alone gives them a sense of value Not that they should not do anything about their situation, but to recognize that my rejoicing is not in what I possess, but in my standing before my Savior. The lesson is this. Trials are the great equalizer for both the rich and the poor. It equalizes the equation. The poor in their humble circumstance look to their God and rejoice in their status. The rich with their high position or materially well off when trials hit and they lose all those things they can look to their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for their sins and gave them a true status. Wealth does not bring us close to God, nor does poverty keep us away from God. It's our own relationship with God that keeps us close or our own sinfulness that takes us away from God. So as we conclude, we must remind ourselves that true faith embraces God's eternal perspective in both poverty and riches. And our rejoicing must be in our standing before god that we are his children not because of our earthly possession but because jesus died for us and he is our great example he left the realms of heaven came into this world and as the bible said became poor for our sake and he had this eternal outlook the salvation of many, that through his death, we may be rich in him because of the life he gives, which cannot be taken away from us. And the time will come when we stand before God in heaven, we will realize just how, how much we owe our God. As a hymn writer puts it, when this passing world is done, when I sank the radiant sun, when I stand before the throne, dressed in beauty, not my own, then, Lord, shall I fully know not till then just how much I owe. And this ought to be our attitude, whether in poverty or in riches. Let's pray. Father, we do confess that oftentimes we forget our true status before you because of our circumstance. We look at our lack or our abundance and felt to have a biblical view of what it means to be in Christ. And James has reminded us that true faith embraces your perspective, your outlook to things in this life. Help us as we live our Christian lives, as we go out there to work hard and make money and acquire possession, to realize and to remember that the possessions we acquire do not determine our status. But our status is what Christ has done for us. And so help us, Lord, to use the possession you bring our way for the extension of your kingdom, for, the help of, uh, for helping those in need, so that we may show the world that ours is an eternal inheritance that cannot be taken away, and hence our willingness to help our brothers and our sisters in this world. Thank you for the time you've be, you've given, you gave to us in this day. As we come to the end, we pray that you go before each one of us till we meet again. For Jesus' sake. Amen.